the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Hello and welcome to the Youthscape podcast. I'm Martin Saunders. With me in a moment, Rachel Gardner. Um, this is a sometimes weekly national youth ministry podcast looking at youth work among Christians in the UK and beyond. Oh gosh, you make it sound so good. And uh, I just thought for once we'd have a sensible intro. Uh, sometimes weekly. I mean, I feel like essential sometimes info. Sometimes weekly. <laughs> Uh, so Rachel, yes, how are you? How are you feeling today? You're, I don't like to draw attention to what you're wearing because I don't want to objectify yeah. you. But yeah. um, you're wearing a, a, a jumper that says it actually says courage on it. It does in very bold letters. But sometimes you sit in such a way that I can only see rage, <laughs> rage, and that makes me worry. Um, well, I, I didn't really realise that until someone on the team pointed that out. And then I was like, well, actually, maybe there is a link between courage and rage. I don't what, know what that link is. Why, why do you like to wear a slogan across yourself? Well, uh, very well, very, very gently asked. Do you know, I don't really wear slogans very often. And I have a bit of a thing about not wearing slogans, about not being a, a clothes horse for someone else's ideas. It's quite a passion mm. of mine. But I like this. Yeah. I like courage. And I think it's a good jumper. And I think I look, I think I look nice in it, which probably <laughs> is the only, that is the main answer. Oh. But also nobly, courage. It feels like, it feels like the th- sort, of, sort of thing that a, a woman of my age should wear across oh. a chair. Women of your age. Silence. <laughs> Silence for that. So um, this is a season where we're thinking about innovation. Yeah. We've already had quite a few yes. full starts, but we're ready to go again. Um, and it, one of the, we're actually going to, we're not going to have a guest this week. No. Oh, in fact, we are going to have a guest, but the guest is you. Oh, right. And I can't remember the last you. time we've done this, um, but we're going to talk about your new book. Yes, thank you. And your new book is about sex. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think this fits pretty well into um, this series where we think about innovation. I don't think it's a bonus episode. I think it's absolutely on theme because we really struggle to do the sex talk, don't Mm. we? I mean, Mm -hmm. let's be honest. The one thing that every youth worker dreads is the fact that they probably at some point need to do the sex talk. And part of the reason for that is because if we get back into our time machines to 1990, the golden days of youth ministry. Um, you know, we all know what the sex talk contains. Keep keep one foot on the floor. Don't touch what you haven't got. Uh, you know, a uh, a back rub in the front room quickly turns into a front rub in the back room. Oh, all of that. <laughs> I have never heard that. All of that. That should have been the strap line for my book. Um, <laughs> in you know, and there were there were many Joyce Huggett books, and we all knew exactly yes, where we stood, were. and so we knew what the sex talk was. Yes, it was very mechanical, wasn't it? But the the culture has moved on so mm-hmm. much and so far and so expansively that when we say sex in 2021, we are not, it's one of those words that immediately has all, this whole cloud of connections that, that it didn't have in, in 1990. Mm-hmm. And so I think us youth workers, and I'll, I'll include myself in this, I think we feel a little bit terrified by that. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what it lo- looks like now to connect, you know, young people, if one thing is true, young people are still interested in in sex mm-hmm. as a concept 
and a conversation. But um, but we don't know quite how to navigate that anymore. Yes, yeah. And so you have, we sent you away. You did. Agent Gardner. You we did. Sent you, like a couple of years ago now. It was. And we said, look, we're going to launch this new Youthscape book imprint. And we really feel like the first book needs to be, like we need to have a new look at... Uh, sex and relationships and young people and youth ministry. And you were terrified. I was. And we had a lot of conversations about it. And then you had a bit of a eureka moment. I mean, I'm sorry, this for an interview with you, yeah. this has not got a lot of you yet, but but it will, it will have. But I remember like you agonizing through lots of different ways of doing this. And then we had a bit of a eureka moment, mm-hmm. um, probably two two and a half it years ago it was before the lockdown and it, yeah. uh, and then and then you went away and you started to write like a mad person mm-hmm. in your coffee shop um no it was an empty church because oh, yeah. of lockdowns in wasn't it empty church hall. empty cold church yes and 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 as part of that you did some research and i wondered if we could start there yes so we're yeah, obviously yeah. We, we've described a little bit of the kind of craziness we haven't really delved into the dysfunction yet of uh, of sex and relationships in 2021 but um but what was the what was the reason first of all for doing a a bit of research well i think we decided as youthscape that romance academy we still stood behind the values and the approach for anyone that remembers it i'm not going to go into it now but um but we just felt it it needed a complete overhaul and to, and to rethink so we took romance academy off um and we closed it down and then we said, of course, it always has to be about listening to young people and listening to the spirit and listening to those who are ministering to young people. And so fairly early on, I think I came to you saying, I could write a book that's for a youth worker like yourself and myself who love young people in our community and want to have conversations in PSHE, the new SRE lessons or um, you know, street corners or whatever. But I really felt, Martin that actually the group that I was beginning to pick up more conversations and real confusion uh, was young people who are self-identifying as Christians, who are choosing to follow Jesus, just really struggling to wrap their heads around puberty, adolescent development, hormones, sex, sexual ethics, gender identity, the whole shebang. And that in that mix was probably a parent or a youth worker or a church leader that was also saying, ah, I don't this feels too difficult to wade into. So I very quickly came back to you and said, can we really like focus in? Like, I love working with young people outside of the Christian community. That's where my heart beats most. But I just see this group of, this generation of young d- disciples of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, just, just yeah. looking at us saying, oh, come on guys, stop being silent, start speaking. Yeah. So it was, for, it was, and it's because as well as having conversations, I think it was a, I talk about it in the book, but it was a phone call in one of the first lockdowns that provoked me to write. Um, actually it was a conversation with Pete Hughes <laughs> uh, where he said, fear is a cultural norm. It wasn't about the sex book. I hadn't started writing it then, but he just said, fear is a cultural norm. Don't let that silence you. I thought, oh, I need to start writing. And then this young person rang me up, a 17 year old, and she said, phone sex what does Jesus think about phone sex and she's someone I've been discipling for a couple of years and I thought wow she's really wanting to think theologically Mm. about the fact that she's about to go into lockdown all of her friends are doing it and not thinking about it but she wants to know what does Jesus think about this and and how would it affect a relationship and and if she if they are going to do it how do they do it if they don't do it how do they have those conversations and I was just absolutely stunned by her 
absolute insistence that Jesus was going to speak to her on this and her lack of, I'm going to use the word shame and I, cause I don't want her to feel shame, no. but I was like, whoa, she's really got it that this yeah. is absolutely yeah. the conversation we can have. So I wrote it for her and for wow. young people like her that, that are doing this audacious thing of following Jesus. And I don't want us to be silent yeah. anymore. So. so what did you find out when you, um, just you talk to you talk to youth leaders. Yes. So just give me the numbers again. So it's sort of indicative numbers. Yeah. Isn't so it's three hundred and thirty-one youth leaders. You might be there who very kindly filled in quite a detailed survey, and I ho- I hosted five open conversations with youth workers in Scotland, youth workers in London and different parts of the UK. And then I had about 35 in-depth phone conversations with youth workers. And I actually specifically went after men by that Mm -hmm. stage Mm -hmm. because by that point it'd been mostly women. So I really went for the guys and they, they were fantastic. So it's quite a good mix of denominations and experiences as youth workers. Um, And then I was like, right, I want to now get some voices of young people. So I had 551 young people who are anonymous, but they had to click that they self-identified as a follower of Jesus, not they're part of a church. I wanted mm-hmm. them to be really slightly, I wanted them to really say, this is serious for me, not just some part of the church community. Um, and they're all across the UK and they're all across church denominations. Now there are more females than males, self-identifying females than males, and they're more in the Church of England than any other denomination. Mm. But there's a, there's a there's a diversity across there. It's yeah. not just one denomination. What I love about this, and I love about you and your integrity in the way you've approached this project, is you know people who have a thing that they talk about. And Rachel, let's be honest, you are the person <laughs> who talks about sex. <laughs> you know, prude. often we'll we'll will go off and they'll and they'll just go, do you know what? I know what I think about this. I can write a book on innovation <laughs> or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I but I, I know I can write a book and they go off and they just do it. They just write the book. And this is this is the thoughts that I think. And I think without naming them, you know, there are plenty of Christian leadership books that are just thoughts that I have had, <laughs> you know, off the top of my head. And what you've done here is you've uh, you've actually gone, do you know what? I'm prepared to listen, to learn something. I've got some ideas. Of course, I've got some, you know, some ideas about what's going on, but I'm prepared to be shaped and, mm. and to listen to what's really going on in this generation and among youth leaders and what youth leaders really think about this and what their mm. needs are. And so I think it's, you know, no, this isn't backed by like a, you know, a 5,000 person no, you know, survey that's that's gone through all of those kind of checks and procedures, but it is really indicative, really interesting and has massively shaped what you've brought and, and what you've written. So well done for that. Um when you talk to um, youth leaders, you know, our assumption coming to this, I've already started with it, our assumption is youth leaders are terrified to talk about this and don't think they do a very good job of it and don't know how to talk about it, all of that stuff. You know, how many of those negatives showed up in, in what people said? Thank you for saying that the sample isn't, you know, we can't extract too much for the whole population. And maybe if you are a youth worker that responds to a survey about how the church engages young people about sex, you are more invested in that conversation. There are many youth workers I meet who don't even think to have this conversation Mm. because it just never comes up on the radar or they just... Everyone just assumes they all agree the same thing. So I realised that. But negative was the main thing. The youth leaders that responded, and they're working in a church-based, Christian-based setting, saying that on the whole, how the church engages with young people on the topic of sex, 57% said Mm. it is negative. Now, breaking that down into different, um, to trying to work out what they meant, for some of them they're saying, our church holds to a historic biblical view of sex, 
And that is damaging to young people. Right. Some youth workers were saying our church holds um, an open approach to having open conversation. and um, But actually because there's no teaching in there, that's damaging. Got you. Um, some churches are saying our church are absolutely silent. Yeah. And yeah. that's damaging. So it doesn't mean that they're, they're all saying the same thing, but they just think the approach the church has taken, yeah. they're not sure they're all, is helpful. They're all pointing to an overriding sense of dysfunction and confusion yeah. Yeah. and no clarity. And again, you know, we keep coming back to this, no one talking to anybody yeah. about this. You know, that's not a caricature. You know, m many of us have not done much thinking or talking about this. Or we've probably done thinking but ended up sort of not sure how to process, how to think. Yeah. And it's not so much, and, and we'll get onto this because this is what the book does. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's not that we don't know what to think. It's that we don't know how to think. We don't know yeah. how to process all these complex things because you know as i said i think i think the cultural norms and narratives around sex are so much broader and more complex now than they were 30 or 40 years ago so so what we're overwhelmingly saying is ah we don't yeah. know what to do but something's wrong absolutely and i had i, I mean, i've been talking about sex with young people and listening to them and youth leaders for 20 years and had someone else come to me and said no one's talking to young people about sex i would have been quite triggered by that because yeah. I've spent my entire time as a youth worker saying we've got to talk about this and I so because of that I gravitate towards those that also talk about it so in my little silo um, I can hear really great conversations happening but what I think I found with the research which is why I needed to do it was that the reason I think the overwhelming reason as you say that people are not talking is one of fear yeah. so I think 20 years ago when I began I got involved you know the, the teenage pregnancy uh, um, rates were massively high that was what mm. we were all and if you were a youth worker 20 years ago and you were having conversations about sex it was about safer sex it was about STIs massively about STIs it was about terminations or you know uh, accessing sort of different kinds of support um, it wasn't really about internet access it wasn't about online porn it mm. wasn't about consent even actually although mm. that was beginning to come in and we were afraid in that we wanted to make sure it was age appropriate and yeah. we, we, we still didn't have the evidence that talking about sex delayed a young person from having sex we still mm. thought that maybe so that and that evidence was coming in oh yes mm. actually talking really is a preventative factor but what we have now is it's not about did i get the name of the sti right mm. should i go with a with a girl to a clinic um to get like an implant that, those aren't the, the kind of the, the moral dilemmas the moral dilemmas are but what if i say what i think scripture means is that going to damage a young person mm. that's questioning their sexuality what does it mean to be a safe safe church for a young person what does it mean to disciple a young person if they have questions around whether they can be sleeping with their partner and who their partner is and how do they deal with erections and masturbation and all of this stuff feels it just feels like the stuff that has always been quite challenging has got this added layer of just deep fear mm. and, and that is why pete saying fear is a cultural lie Mm. made me go, oh, I hate lies. Mm. I hate lies. Um, so I want to talk and I want to create space that we can disagree with grace and we can open up spaces and young people can come and wrestle with this stuff and wrestle with scripture. And mm. that feels like incredibly life bringing and, and, and just open and honest. And so in the book, I'm, I'm, I'm honest about where I land on some of this stuff, but it's not a book about my position on things. It's a book mm. that is seeking to say, let's stop being so silent let's mm. let's ask us why we're being silent let's interrogate those lies and then let's let's make some plans so uh, i think back again i'm, I'm going back to my glory days <laughs> when i just you know i was a teenager in the early 1990s 
And uh, interestingly, uh, youth group talked about sex loads. Wow. And we, as young people, didn't. We didn't talk about it at all. So that was the state, that was an era, you know, I now find it staggering that uh, that young people, um, you know, that I've, I've come across young people who will boast about wi- and talk about which pornographic websites they're yeah. looking at. Whereas when I was a teenager, you all pretended you didn't look at top shelf magazines. You all pretended you didn't do that and you didn't talk about it. So it was all repressed in the culture, but church was this place where you would talk about everything. Now it seems to have completely flipped, flipped yes. on his head. Church yeah. this place like, oh gosh, we don't know what to say because there's so much going on. But in culture, young people are just talking about it all the time. They want to they be at the forefront, you know, mm. uh, even from, you know, uh, upper, upper primary school and year seven and eight, you know, they want to talk about rights. They want to talk about sexualities and genders mm. and they want to talk about pornography and 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 sex and consent, consent and yeah, all that stuff and, yeah. and men and women and how they treat each other all this stuff and in, i guess in some ways you'd say that's that's sort of terrific like it's great that they want to have these conversations in the light rather than suppressing and not allowing them but weirdly at the same time the church has gone i don't know what to do yes and when i asked these wonderful 551 young people who overwhelmingly 94% said, yes, they do want their church talking about sex. Bless their hearts. They're saying we want it. Um, When I asked them, what from this list of 30 things do you want them to talk to you about? The top three things. Number one was how to have a healthy relationship. So they're automatically putting sex in the context of a relationship. Number two, they're asking about what does the Bible, teach us about the Bible, how to read the Bible. So they're straight away saying there's wisdom from our religious text, from our community that we want to hear. And number three was how to have, how to set safe and godly boundaries. So again, I mean, it's, it's the language that I put there. Maybe a young person that will do a survey for me online. You know, maybe, yeah, yeah. you know, I totally get all of that. But they instinctively say what we want the church to talk to us about is the distinctiveness of being a follower of Jesus and how to do this. But what came over so clearly, Martin, was they want to do that in a space that is shame free. Yeah, okay. They don't want then to be overloaded with the sin language yeah. of if you've masturbated, you're a sinner. If you're gay, you're a sin. You're a sinner. And and they just want a space where they can ask these big, massive, who am I? I'm a follower of Jesus. What does that mean? Questions. So I'm just, because I feel like I'm othering people who don't find it easy to talk <laughs> about this in their youth group context, I'm just going to fess up here okay. and say, I find this difficult. Yeah, okay? it's not easy. So, so I definitely have not done as much talking about sex in our youth group. It's especially difficult for me because I've got two of my own young people. And every time I say the word sex in a <laughs> youth they group, they, absolutely sh- they sort of have an allergic reaction. But, uh, but it's still, you know, it's something that we mm. need to talk about. But I'm, I just want to say, I'm, I'm not saying that's something that's other people's problem. Mm. I'm definitely part of this. But what happens, like what happens in a, in a youth group when we don't, when we don't talk about sex. There's a cycle that happens, and this is definitely what came out of the research with the youth workers, is that um, often a church will start, or a youth worker will start by saying, well, the reason we don't talk about any of this, whether it's upfront teaching, which I think probably is the worst way to do it, or one-to-ones or whatever it is, is because our young people, they're not asking questions. And then because that's what they assume, they then, this doesn't become a topic that's ever talked about within the volunteer youth work. They never get resources about it, never go to train days about it. So it doesn't become a topic that the youth workers themselves feel confident to handle. Then because of that, they don't really know what they would say. So then Mm. someone says, well, actually I'd quite like to have a conversation for our youth group to do this, but what what would we say? But there's no Mm. forum for having that chat. And then because of that, 
they don't then create spaces for the young people to even put post-it notes on the wall like what questions would you want to ask or there's never any space for any of that and then because of that guess what young people are not sat in your put their hands excuse me martin can we please talk about puberty development so you know and actually we're putting a lot on young people Mm. to be the one to say i have no idea how you guys would react but I'm going to be the person that just puts it out there. I want to talk about sex. That does not happen. So what tends to happen is a youth leader or a volunteer, will, we will start talking about sex when there is a pastoral issue around mm-hmm. it or when a young person, there's an incident that they all know about on TikTok or, and then suddenly we're having to have conversations about something in a really, in, at the worst possible time when actually there's a, young, a very vulnerable young person who's in the middle of all this. So it becomes incredibly messy. And then the church leader's like, oh, well, it was a mess. You like, well, then it is a mess, isn't it? Hmm. So I think we need to break that cycle and we have to be the ones that break that. So um, I'm just going to give us a little uh, sort of guide to where we're going, a little outline just to tell you where what, we're going What, just in now. terms of church history and no, end of no, the world? No, 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 just in this podcast. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Um, <laughs> so we're going to, we aren't going to shy away from a couple of direct questions. Okay. Here. So I'm going to ask you some direct questions because oh, I know you, you, you've you dodged them all in the book. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I do, first of all, because we're talking about innovation and we're talking about kind of You've really worked hard to try and bring something new mm. here. And and I think it's amazing. So I'm, you know, I'm just trying to get you to show off your work, really. Oh. I'm like, you know, when like one of my kids has done a good painting or something yes. and I and I FaceTime all the, everyone I know. And I'm like, look at my kid's painting. And they're like, it's not that good, but it's lovely that you, you love it. Well, it's a bit like that, except the painting's really good. <laughs> oh, and it's not you. a painting. It's a book. Thank and you're you. not my child. Thank you for all of that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, that was a very long sentence um tell us a little bit about just give us a little kind of idea without giving the whole thing away you know of of this kind of framework that you've come up with and why why that's at the heart of the book and and so what's in there i wrestled over this for ages like what is the goal why are we having these conversations in the 1980s it would have been to stop teenage pregnancy in the 1990s it would have been to kind of vouchsafe virginity like what is it so what i put at the center is uh sexual well-being like Mm. shalom um, that rich word of that you will be well in your body, mind, heart and soul. So the, one of the lovely definitions from one rabbi about shalom is that it's about justice and safety and well-being and friendship and integrity. It's this rich sense of life lived in all its fullness. So if that is at the heart of this, what might be some of the key conversations mm-hmm. that then are feeding into that? So that's mm-hmm. what I pick up in the second part of the book, that, that conversations about sexual safety are as significant for sexual well-being as conversations about integrity mm. like mm. rehabilitating the idea of purity you know we had to deconstruct the rubbish that came our way in the 90s but what would it look like to rehabilitate the idea of holiness mm-hmm. um so but not make that the core of it like god makes us holy we don't make ourselves holy at the core is the well-being piece so i just felt that felt like an honest space yeah. to then hold a young person in yeah um and then have these conversations and it's a completely problem. different place starting point from the starting points we've classically come from which are like what am i allowed to do yeah and And young people still have that of of course course they'll bring those in fact i'm going to ask those questions in just a moment (laughs) rachel yes (laughs) but um but you know what you've done is you've sort of created a a a whole you know holistic is probably an overly overused word isn't it but but a a whole way it's really holistic is it really no no no, but but you're you're trying to look at this from 
as because sex is a big and a complicated thing, but it's not that we can't understand it. No. It's not that, that we can't look at this from God's perspective and, and get things in the right order. So, um, you know, I guess what would you say to a youth leader as they pick up the book? Like, what's the way to work through the book and to try to try to take on board this idea of a, of a healthy framework for looking mm. at sex and relationships? At the end of each chapter, I, I have two sections. One is called um, Inside Out and one is called Outside In Questions. So just try and help a youth worker deconstruct a little bit of what what might be going on, which which might limit or block conversations. We've all had our own upbringing and stuff to bring a sexual script is what they call it. So I think read it with, with the heart of... Um, I'm just going to allow myself time to reimagine this entire topic again um, and wrestle with it. You haven't got to agree with me. That's absolutely fine. You can shout at me and discuss it with some friends. So I think use it as a resource to strengthen your own resolve to put God at the centre of this and to serve this young person well. Um, I try to be provocative in it. I try to speak in a way that if it's um, if friends reading this are coming from a church with a very clear doctrine that they can bring some helpful theological and pastoral questions that whatever that doctrine is. Um, I think often churches don't know what it is they think until they're faced with a young person that challenges that. And so I challenge that idea. Mm. Don't wait for a young person to, you know, to be struggling with something or come out with something or, you know, get pregnant or whatever it is before you suddenly talk about that. That's not well-being, is it? Um, I also... Martin, I mean, I could talk forever about this. Is why I'd written a book. So, but I, I think the Holy Spirit has watched over the puberty development of billions of teenagers, and where the rest of us go, oh my goodness, they're reaching sexual maturation. The Holy Spirit is saying, I am all over this. I'm not afraid mm. of this. So, I think as you read it, try and allow the Spirit to f- to fight on your behalf the language of fear. Mm. Mm. Um, and I just pray that people, we all feel a bit more confident to sit in that space with a young person and because I think this is the topic where in my own experience young people have felt they've had to walk away from the God they love and the community they love because they had sex and they lost their virginity or because they can't stop masturbating or because they fancy their best friend or because they're trans or and and these things then they think these are the the equation is therefore I don't belong here Mm. and we know that's not true but we also have to wrestle with the scripture which might mean some hard conversations at some point somewhere um, along this discipleship journey of what does it mean to bring this to Jesus? That's hard for me, let alone for a young person. Fantastic. Uh, I really, really commend the book to everybody. I've actually read it. (laughs) In fact, I... I think you read it all, didn't you? I've read the whole thing and and, and, and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, But I want, because obviously it's quite, in some ways it's, it's quite abstract. You know, it it invites us to sort of pull back, see the bigger picture and think this through as a whole. So, so I just thought, you know, Rachel Gardner, you're hard to pin down. I'm going to try and pin you down on a few things. Okay. Um, And uh, I'm I'm putting on my 1990s youth group. (laughs) So um, I was, I was interviewed during the um, pandemic for uh, um, something and, uh, and, they were talking about young people and uh, and and the, and the pandemic and lockdown particularly, mm. and I think the first question they asked was about you know something I don't know about young people's sort of physical health and so on. But then the second question, and it was really he, I think mm. the interviewer wanted to ask it first, was is this going to be see a crisis in porn use and masturbation among, among our our young people? Wow! And uh, and and it was clear that for many Christians 
that is an absolutely like absolutely top level like youth discipleship is about stopping young people mm. looking at pornography and masturbating like mm-hmm. that's the that's the absolute that uh, just behind meeting Jesus and you know yeah. all that stuff then also not looking at porn um I wonder what you think about that. Like, are you so kind of, um, d- does that feel like such a hot issue for mm. you? Um, or um, or actually do you think sometimes we have a tendency to overinflate the role mm-hmm. of pornography and masturbation? I think it depends what lens we see it through. So first of all, I hate pornography. I just think we do not need it in society. I'm very mm. vocal about that. Mm. So you will never hear me being anything other than negative about pornography, pornographies, as uh, we should say. Um, but I, I think we sometimes see it through the lens of personal purity. Mm. And so we say because a young person is accessing pornography, it's a sign to us that their sexual maturation is it's being very damaged and warped. And, and actually, you know, this is... This is the tip of the iceberg. I need to stop all this behaviour. And and I think what what I think I'm very clear about in the book is I think that masturbation, I think self stimulation, so a young person exploring their body in the privacy of their own home, learning um, how to set boundaries, is really important. I think it does not work to say to a young person, "Do not masturbate," or to say it's a sin. I think they need a good mentor in their life that can walk them along that journey and help them have hope that this thing that might feel out of control when your your testosterone and and everything for females too is going crazy you can get some handle on this I think pornography coming into that mix can make some yeah okay I said put the handle on this We've done um, so we've well, done so this, well. Yes. this far through. So I think we, I think the church needs to be a lot more relaxed about masturbation and actually have honest conversations about masturbation hygiene um, than to say, don't do it. And to link it with disobedience, I think is a really damaging thing to do. A young person who's masturbating is not actively, actively disobeying Jesus. That's yeah. not what's going on. And you are, you're kind of crushing them if you say it is. Um, but we want to be walking with them to help them understand that as they grow in sexual maturation, they have choices, they have agency, they can make decisions, they can do things differently, and they can learn that just because they have a sexual response to something doesn't mean they have to act on it now or ever. So we don't want a young person who is at 13 masturbating four times a day to still be caught in that same cycle when they are 17. We want them to be able to learn, okay, I'm aroused by something, I now recognise that, and I now have strategies to cope with that. That, can I just say, is a very unusual young person that can do that that thinking on their own. Yes. They need somebody alongside them. It could be a slightly older teenager, it could be a friend, it could be a youth worker that is not squeamish about this stuff. And I think girls need this. I talk quite a bit, don't I, about just how, for me, masturbation, that was my thing. I was a teenage girl that didn't want to be sexually active before marriage. But masturbation, I was caught in that. I felt so dirty. I felt, and for years, I I carried around with me this deep sadness and shame Mm. about my sexuality. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And I needed to know that Jesus was not receiving that as me being willfully disobedient to him. I was just trying to work this stuff out. So I think there'll be some folks that will read the chapter on puberty and masturbation and be like, whoa, what? You've opened a can of worms, but I don't care. I think they should open that can of worms. Um, and I think that's—I think that is important. I—I I think for yeah, this generation. That's great, and to. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna—I'm gonna throw myself under the bus with you. Okay. Okay, we're going down together. <laughs> so, um, so that's difficult, isn't it? Like yeah. particularly the. The getting a mentor bit. Yeah. So because I mean, that, let's not call them masturbation mentors. Well, let's uh, not you know, name them. As that. you said it, but let's let's be real about <laughs> yeah. this. As you said it, I thought, wow, my safeguarding siren just went <laughs> off. 
you know, because actually it's incredibly mm. you know, like that. That could be that could be incredibly unhealthy very mm-hmm. very quickly. So what does it mean then to just be just be explicit? Um, because we clearly don't mm-hmm. mean anything untoward. No, so, no, no. So what no. does it mean to have a mentor or an yeah. older person in your life who's going to help you along that yes. particular road? I think it's the power in the mention. So I think what we don't do is decide when we think a young person needs to have some intervention moments. That's mm. not the model for this at all. So I think what, what I, I do little examples in the book, actually, but I would say 11, 10, 11-year-olds 11 need to be, if they're part of a church community, they need to be in spaces where they hear stuff talked about. So it's the power of the mention they hear us use words like masturbation wanking if that needs to come up because that might be the word they recognize not masturbation or we talk about um phone use or images or feeling turned on and it's not to have a big discussion necessarily it's simply to say these are the things that matter these are important and so in our church we have times when when people get together and talk about some of these things and so a young person grows up saying ah oh i watched around my community when those words came up Nobody looked angry. Nobody mm. looked too shame-filled or too embarrassed. Ah, it just opens up the opportunity. And I think then if our youth ministry is prioritizing spaces where young people together can talk about stuff safely, where we use third person activities, yeah. Yeah. all of these things are powerful. It's not necessarily me sitting down with a young person saying, tell me how many times you masturbated this week. I do have those conversations with some mm. young people mm. when they're older and we have a good a safe relationship and that's what they ask of me yeah. they're very rare yeah. much more likely are these wider conversations third person but suddenly for a young person who actually they that's what they need then here is a space somebody could maybe be okay to have a chat with about that's that. great that's great and because you've just said wanking i'm just wondering whether we we might get one of those <laughs> oh, little no. things ex, like explicit <laughs> Parental, content oh, i'm sorry if you listen that, to this no, with your it'd be children. so cool wouldn't it yeah no one listens to this with their children <laughs> i hope not amy are you gonna star it out you can't star something out can you on the radio this isn't a radio <laughs> Beep. anyway yeah. but no, language no. is an important one i think that's why i called the book the sex thing mm-hmm. because we use the word thing to try and kind of explain what we mean and no one knows what we mean. Yeah. So we, yeah. so I am a, quite an advocate for explicit, good, but clear language um, right. that we need to use. But, but I'm, not gonna have you, I'm not going to have you <laughs> duck these uh, tough questions any longer, okay. Rachel. So uh, the classic question in youth group was like, how far can mm-hmm. I go? Mm-hmm. Okay. How far can I go and still be on the right side of the line with Jesus? Okay. Using this kind of new way of looking at things, mm. so through the filter of, of of your framework, how do you begin to answer that question? Um, without wanting to sound like I'm dodging it, I think it is very important that it is about a, the young person that you have in front of you. And, I, and I'm an advocate for teaching up the front, big picture stuff, but discipleship is about this young person and where right. they're at and what they need to know. So my emphasis with young people always is very clear what is sex, the kind of emotional and the physical. I get really clear about what, you know, is oral sex sex? What does that mean? And then coming back from that and saying, if we believe that sex is the union of two bodies in this beautiful kind of thing that does more than simply a, a lovely orgasm and nice feelings, hopefully, then actually what, what do we want to put around it? What hedge do we want to put around it so that we make choices about when it is that we're going to experience that Mm. and I think it is this is why youth ministry is so tough Martin because it would be lovely if we could do one talk when they're aged 11 
Mm. And that's see them neatly through to their 18. Their brain is a little bit more developed. So we have to keep reminding them of stuff. And I would say what you say to an 11-year-old is very different. I'd be a lot clearer with an 11-year-old. Actually, probably not doing that. Mm. Probably not doing that. Probably come up with a list of things that you wouldn't do. But with a 15-year-old, I wouldn't be saying that. I'd be Mm. saying, you know, what is it that you think now? What do you think is actually the line is overstepped? And, And what does it mean today to say, Jesus, will you help me to know what decisions to make? We, it's you're treading a very difficult line because you want to avoid the Jesus is in the room seeing everything that you do, kind of horrible, traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. You want to kind of help young people set their own boundaries and know that when those boundaries have been transgressed, either because they've overstepped them or someone mm-hmm. else has, mm-hmm. that they're part of a community that helps them to kind of, to kind of think through that, mm-hmm. decide to do differently. So I, again, this is where I think there might be a moment is I'm, I think when I, 20 years ago, I was quite fixated like everybody else was on virginity. Yep. Like make sure no one has sex. Yeah. Now I'm like, I, I'm don't, I don't believe that in the moment of sexual penetration, something happens to a young person they can never come back from. I don't mm. believe that's what actually happens. I believe there might be lots of stuff around that situation that might be difficult, painful. And I, and I believe, oh my goodness, that's really maybe, if that young person regrets that, that's heartbreaking. But I'm not going to obsess on that one moment, stopping them do that one moment. I think it's really important that we... Well, without... Uh, hijacking this talk about my own book but in my book yes. The Man You Made To Be that uh, no, one, no one buys uh, available now uh, <laughs> no, on, on, in my book I talk about this uh, this concept of sort of 90s of soul ties yes it's uh, not biblical no it's, it's not, not biblical, biblical at all do you, do you feel like some of that stuff is still being taught is still yes. filtering through yes church? and I, I absolutely I, I'm fairly orthodox actually in my reading of scripture and understanding and how I put it in practice in my life and I absolutely believe in the one flesh union so what god binds together that's what he does so i absolutely believe that sex really matters but i think what we do is we isolate one incident um and we kind of say that somehow that god is mostly concerned about genital activity so as long as the genital activity stops at a certain point then in god's mind that's not sinful i think that's such an unhelpful view of what Mm, sin is mm. and such an unhelpful view of how then we you know because then our focus is to a young person if that's what they mustn't do how do we help them not get there now one to one I have those conversations on a one to one case with a young person who's saying I don't want to be having penetrative sex again I'm not sure where I put the boundaries in great we'll have those chats but I don't start by saying to a whole youth group just so you know everything within the box don't touch it and then everything will be fine Um, because that doesn't take into account how they think how they make decisions um, how they assess stuff what they do if it goes wrong Mm. Um, and so I I think it's about discipleship and about the journey And, and us as leaders wrestling well with scripture and understanding what we you know what is it we're teaching what is it we're modeling what is it we want a young person to to get hold of and so i'm going to end with this i can talk for too long can't say but i think i think a a christian biblical sexual ethic is about belonging we belong first to god Mm. union with god and then sexual union with a sexually different other and those two are are the parallel tracks that we see in scripture but the first is belonging to god Mm. anything that starts anywhere else is sin management isn't it Mm. but anything that starts there is because you are no longer your own you've been bought with a price and you're working that out daily what that means so what does that mean today for how you approach your body and use your body and use your money and allow people to interact with you and you interact with them 
And how is it going to be different this year to how it was last year? Because the spirit is more at work in your life this year and you're growing in confidence and courage and awareness of your belovedness and you can make choices and you've got the courage to act on those and, and hopefully you're, you know, you're doing these things differently. Not you've been a virgin all the way through your teenage years. Whoa, we did a good job. Mm. Rachel, I'm so glad we have you to navigate us <laughs> through. how helpful that was. Get it the was book incredibly <laughs> helpful. And, uh, and, and, you know, this is, this has always been one of the absolutely fundamental issues mm. in youth ministry. We can't dodge it. Like we, no. This is what young people uh, t- want to talk about. It's what they're thinking about and it's what they're doing. Yes. And, and we can't just turn away from it and hope that somehow it'll be someone else's problem yes. or someone else to deal with. Yeah. Really, truly loving young people uh, and loving Jesus means diving headfirst into this conversation. And that's what your book has done. That's what you do. So I'm very grateful for you. The book is called The Sex Thing. It's published by SPCK under the new, the brand Woo! new Youthscape imprint. It is the first one. <laughs> How exciting. Um, and so thank you for writing it, Rachel. You can get it now from all good bookstores, I think, or something I was oh, supposed I don't to know. say. Yeah, it? you are supposed to say. Get it from somewhere. Get, yes. it, off, get off the Youthscape store. Yes. Youthscape.co.uk forward slash store. Listening to this, like, yes. if you're one of those people who just consumes the podcast the day it comes out. That's me. Like Rachel. <laughs> I do. School run. <laughs> there and back. Full podcast. If you're that person. Yes. Um, I'll just talk to you then. Yeah. So uh, for you, it, it's the National Youth Ministry what? Weekend this Nobody weekend. Nobody told me. How excited oh, are you? I'm so excited. This is like oxygen it for is, you, isn't it? It is. This is, this is my tanks. It. I'm going to be filling up my tanks on my back. Love oh. tanks, oxygen tanks. You're bringing your love tank. I'm b- <laughs> well, that might come up in your seminar. I think it will. So, I've been properly asked to speak about sex as opposed to just chatting in the you really, for, you really, with other people about sex. I'm allowed to this time. It just whatever you do, it just yeah. it just pops out, I think doesn't it's it? Prude in the whole planet. That's why it's a it's joke. It's funny, isn't it? It is funny. You're you're going to be doing a big thing, yes. aren't you? So it's not just a seminar; it's also a launch of something exciting. But you are going to be at the National Youth Ministry Weekend yes. talking about this. We've given yes. you a we've given you a room. And you, we are just going to set you people and your love tank by. off, <laughs> aren't we? Uh, we've got loads of great people coming to do seminars. We've got Temitopi Stephen Taiwo, who is coming to, he's brilliant, by the yes. way, he's part of the Hackney Church mm, kind of uh, guys. Uh, he's doing something on raising young theologians. And he's also going to do, we're going to do a youth culture in 60 minutes thing, oh, which I'm going to go to. I'll, I'll be fun, I have no idea. No. I'm like, oh, guys, you watch this on Netflix? And they're like, no. Can we just refer, reserve the front two rows yes. <laughs> like, uh, for the oldies? Uh, generation. I know. I think because I ask my young people, I'm like, "Oh, have you watched that?" And they're like, no. "No." And then they say, "Have you watched this?" And, I, and I, what I've realised is, we have entirely different algorithms. Yeah. Yes. Netflix <gasps> yes. does not no. even. It's like you don't even need this. No. You don't even know to know about this, Martin. And actually, also, I find they say to me, "Have I seen something?" And I don't know if it's on YouTube, if it's on TikTok, is it a film? Yeah. Is it a series? Is it a pod? I have no. Or all I of those. I can't even place like what this thing is. No. So I'm like. No, and I, and what? Have we ever sounded more elderly than we do in this moment? They rub my shoulder. Listen to this, right? Chris Curtis. What? Uh, Who are Generation C? What? And what do they care about and need? Right, so that oh is going to be like, That's I don't even know there was a Generation C. Get yourselves there, people. Chris, when, when Chris Curtis, did he come up with that? 
Uh, yeah. Because it's because we the thing about our beautiful Chris Curtis is he is an incredible thinker. And whereas Martin and I will talk about, you know, you could ask us to, to talk expertly about anything and we'll give it a go. Chris will only speak on those things that he has been spending a long time. Yeah, thinking that's right. About. That will be he absolutely, he yeah, genuinely. That not will like be. A, not like a, a teenage boy on a, on a residential <laughs> holiday <laughs> and in, in his own sweat. Uh, that, I'm not speaking from any recent personal experience there, but, um, but, but he marinates yes, these things and he, he really like does have wine. something to say. It'll be great to get there. Uh, uh, we've got five reasons why young people leave the church before 18 and what you can do to help them stay. How about oh, that for a clickbaity gosh, that seminar? That is very clickbaity. Um, and I want to tell you, let me tell you about um, Sarah Brule. Mm-hmm. very excited about Sarah Brule. Now, yes, sometimes we invite, you may already be a big Sarah Brule fan, but we try to invite a mix of people you've heard of. Yeah. Mike Pellavarchi's coming yes. to speak Saturday night. Um, uh, we, uh, people you've heard of, maybe people who are brilliant, but you might not have heard yes. of. And Sarah, for most people, will be in that category. But I have a sneaking suspicion that she's going to set this thing on fire oh, in a good way. Yes. She's not like a pyromaniac. <laughs> And uh, and so she's so you're going to hear her on Sunday morning at mm. the uh, at the event, but you get a sneak peek on, on Friday night. She's doing a, a seminar on her personal passion, which is personal revival. So it's the whole send revival, Lord, start with me oh, thing. And brilliant. what a great way to start a weekend like that is to yes. say, God, I, I have all these dreams for our young people, but but I want to start by just yes. meeting you again. Start with me. So I think that is going to be. Did I say fire? I'm going to say that fire again. It's going to be fire. Well, over the summer, I was um, I was reading some Catherine Booth stuff. Oh, you some like of, a bit of Catherine I, Booth? Well, I did message Danielle Strickland and say, I oh, think... You dropped Ka- something. I do. <laughs> well, no, anyone can message her on social media. And I said, I think I think I understand you a bit better reading Catherine yeah. Booth's sermons. So these are sermons that she gave in West London in like 1822. And they are... I was like... Jay, um, Martin would have booked her for um for the for the final night of the National Youth Ministry Weekend. Catherine Booth, she comes out with some strong like yeah. drop the mic moments, and I, so I suggest all of you go and go and get and get hold of some of her sermons and read them I totally in agree. readiness I totally for this agree. personal revival. I stuff. I was just saying exactly the same thing to Kanye West the other day. Were you? I, yeah, <laughs> I dropped him a I dropped him a message, a message in, and I got a message back that said uh, Kanye West does not. Um, yeah. <laughs> read these messages. But Danielle Strickland, she's the, part of the tribe. That's why yeah, no I name idea. her. Okay. She is. Okay, no. She's the ministry you, tribe. She is. You, she is. You carry on. You carry on. So, um, Can't the, wait. the other thing to say is yes. we squeezed in a couple of extra speaks at the last minute. So, do they I'm know? Really, we so. just invited them for lunch at the resort world. And I hope like, so. Oh, no. I'm really excited that Pete Hughes is joining us. <gasps> Pete Hughes is the pastor of KXC. Yes, come on. And we have his band every year. We abuse the name and, of his band. And now we've got him. And yes. uh, he's he's written this book, All Things New, which is absolutely is brilliant. Yes. And without wanting to say everything is about satellites, really chimes with everything yes. that, that we've been talking about in terms of satellite stuff. So it just felt like such a good idea to, to get him along. And thrillingly... He said he would come up and he's even bringing the family, I think. So you can, oh. you can meet Pete Hughes' children if you want. Oh, but he genuinely thinks he's just come for a fun day out. Yeah. Just check he read the I don't know if he's bringing his children. I made that All up. the way to the bottom of the email. Yeah. That is so cool. And we will be there waiting for you at the top of the escalators, <laughs> waiting with our arms outstretched she, to you think welcome she's, you. It's not metaphorical. She really will be. I might even wash my animal print coat because I, oh. I do live in it permanently. It does smell a little bit. So I might I might give it a little bit of a spruce up. So any hugs are COVID safe and personal space safe. Why don't you 
spray it with a can of Lynx? <laughs> Just like that boy on it's the youth, youth residential. Away. What I found in the pocket of this animal print case, fake fur, by the way, what I found in the pocket was two pepperamis that I obviously bought for the kids like about three weeks ago and <laughs> forgot were there. Honestly, this is the coat that keeps giving. So I'll be handing out treats, pepperamis, nuclear waste sweets. That's what teenagers in Blackburn give me. They oh. give me nuclear waste sweets. I can't work out if it's because they like me or they hate me. I don't oh know goodness. what it is, Martin. Handing out know. sweets and pepperonis. It's like your Romance Academy days. <laughs> Oops. Anyway, I think we come to this shuddering conclusion of this second episode or third or whatever it is. <laughs> and uh, as per usual, uh, thank you, Lord, for Amy, who will make this all beautifully sweet. And we will see... I you closing in prayer. Well, I don't know. I feel like I should. <laughs> How else do Christians close things? How do you know? You know, we've any, done about 300 of these. How do you know if anything is finished until someone prays? I mean, that's what I want to know. I, it's amazing how you always, always feel like... It always <laughs> feels awkward. like you've never done one of these before. I just, I just reach the awkward feel, don't I? Oh, right, gosh. Martin, you can end it. What an <laughs> utter shambles yes. we are. Woo, we'll we see go. you next time. <laughs> Um, that's it for uh, this edition of the Youthscape podcast. She's been Rachel Gardner. I've been Martin Saunders. We'll see you next time.